Well, good evening. It's good to see all of you tonight. I want to thank you for your prayers the last week. I sure miss being here last Tuesday and Wednesday night. And I can tell you, without any doubt in my mind at all, I'd have rather been here last Tuesday night with you than where I was. <laughs> so we're just glad you're here tonight. And it's, it's, uh, tonight is our, the beginning of our opening convention. Uh, it's long been a tradition of Nazarene Bible College to begin the year with a spiritual focus. And, um, and this tonight and tomorrow night, we will be seeking God and, and asking God to visit us and, and do something in our hearts. Because uh, we're going to need it as the year goes right on, aren't we? And uh, our speaker for this convention is a, a dear friend and a great leader in the Church of the Nazarene. Dr. Jim Deal, James Deal, uh, served the Church of the Nazarene as a pastor. In fact, he pastored Denver First Church of the Nazarene. He also served as a district superintendent, and he was the district superintendent of this district, Colorado. And in 93, 1993, the General Assembly convening in Indianapolis, Indiana, elected him as a general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene, uh, office he held with distinction and honor for 16 years until, until it was time for him to retire and pass the mantle on to someone else. And now he serves the church as a general superintendent emeritus and evangelist par excellent. He'd never retired. Dr. Deal just shifts offices. And uh, we're so delighted, honestly, Dr. Deal. You're such a friend of Nazarene Bible College and a friend to us. And we're so honored that in between your speaking engagements and all that's going on in your life, you could fit these two nights in. And uh, would you go ahead and welcome him? You know, there's one other thing I forgot to mention. After retiring as general superintendent, he served as interim president of Mid-American Nazarene University for several months. So he has been a very busy man in retirement. He never retired. Thank you, Dr. Deal, for being here. Let's worship together. Let's stand together. Amen. The word of the Lord says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We serve a great God, and his word tells us if, our God, if God is for us, who can be against us? Let us worship this evening. Dear Lord, thank you. You are a great God. <laughs> we just worship you from our hearts. Now speak to us. Finish your name here. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I believe this uh, brother Jonathan knows how to lead us in praise and worship, don't you? Yeah, let's, let's say thank you. Thank you. All right. Hey, good. Good to see all of you here tonight. And, and I like the spirit that is uh, in this chapel. By the way, the chapel didn't create the spirit. You bring the spirit in, and then the Lord does what the Lord does, but... Uh, uh, thanks for being here. Of course, for all I know, you have to be here. I'm, I'm not sure how that works, but thank you anyway. So good to be uh, with uh, Dr. Harold Graves and his good wife, Cheryl. And they, uh, he was, um, 
He was really fighting a tough deal last week uh, physically, so I understand this is your first chapel, actually. And so uh, don't, uh, don't get sick on us now tonight. We've we got to keep him in here right straight through, and he's got a little bit further to go, I think, before the all-clear sign is given. But uh, thanks, and good to see you all. And uh, I see uh, Brother Zell Woodworth here. Uh, I used to, uh, well, uh, we're going to say God bless you, Brother Zell. I was D a DS, district superintendent here, back um, in, a, <laughs> in a former life. And uh, Brother Zell was one of our pastors and still is. So, uh, and maybe there are others. I just haven't quite been able to get all the crowd uh, uh, analyzed here tonight. But uh, welcome to all. And uh, I think in these uh, chapel services, everybody is welcome. Uh, you and anybody else that, um, that might come, that, that'd be great. I don't want to wander around very much. I want to get... Uh, right into this tonight, but I will say I think it was uh, no, I guess our president made mention that uh, that we got this worked in between a couple of other things. Uh, I have just been in Arizona over the weekend. They have what's called a district family camp that is uh, quite um, well. They've been doing it for over 50 years, and they have quite a bit of uh, momentum going. So there's a fairly good crowd there, and it's not just a camp meeting uh, event, but they have a, a whole list of things for the teenagers and another whole agenda for children. And so it, it's over the holiday weekend. Uh, they, they all come in on Friday, and of course it's Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Everybody leaves, but we uh, get four services all uh, jammed right in there. And then a whole lot of other events that are going on in and around that. And uh, I was there, I think, three years ago, if I recall. And we drove there since Arizona uh, is, um, well, actually, the states touch each other. <laughs> Not much, but down at the four corners, I think they touch each other at least by an inch. So uh, Dorothy and I drove there three or four years ago, whenever the last time was. But I knew about this event. And uh, I knew I would just be about driving, driving in uh, uh, around now. And I said, I, I just can't come in that tired uh, because of not only the event will wear you out, but then the drive. So uh, I just flew in yesterday, and uh, I'm rejoicing for what God did there. But now Arizona is uh, given to the Lord, and the Lord will take care of them. And now it's Nazarene Bible College. I just, my mind, I just uh, have to put one down and say, okay, Lord, here's where we go next. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> I, I don't know what you would know about someone who would come and speak to you. Let me just quickly say that um, I doubt that I will give any message to you that I gave to them. Uh, that's a whole different crowd, and you're a different crowd, and that's why I'm I have to pray a lot. <laughs> now, Lord, this doesn't fit where I was last week. It doesn't fit where I'm going to be next week. So uh, talk to me about what you want them to hear. And I, uh, I don't know how uh, you, many of you know me, but many of you don't. And I have uh, kind of made a quick, um, a quick look, and I'm old enough to be most of your, your dad. I'm, I'm like your dad. In some cases, I might be old enough to be your granddad, but there are some of you that are as old as I am, so uh, I'm just your brother. But uh, to, to the uh, students who are here, and all the others have come just to be part of it too, if there would be a way that we could meet down here somewhere and uh, have coffee or a sandwich or whatever the case, and uh, you would say to me, hey, uh, you've kind of gone the journey and, and you've done this, that, and the other, and I'm more or less getting started on the ministerial track. Um, is there anything you could tell me that might give me a heads up as to what I'm getting into or uh, some words of uh, counsel? Because I did that exact thing uh, when I was a, a young pastor in Iowa 
And uh, we uh, had, uh, not we, but First Methodist Church, uh, had a speaker that uh, I had heard of forever. He's written however many books. His name is Dr. Paul Reese. And he was very, very um, influential in a generation before this. And uh, First Methodist called him for a few services. So I got over there uh, on Monday night. Couldn't go on Sunday, but on Monday. And uh, worked up the courage to uh, walk up to him uh, because I was, uh, I was a pretty young pastor and he didn't know me from anybody. So I just went up to greet him and then asked, is there any way that you would, uh, would have one lunch available where I could meet with you and I'll pick up the tab, but uh, where I could just talk to you? You're a veteran in the faith. And man, I would just love to have one hour with you. Well, sure, young man, sure. You want to do it tomorrow? I guess so. So uh, with Dr. Paul Reese, R-E-E-S, we met at a restaurant somewhere, and I felt like, you know, I was with the President of the United States because this man was, uh, it was a Jesus man for sure. And so I, that's what I said. You are a veteran You've been all over everywhere, and I'm still pretty young in the ministry. Do you have any advice or counsel? And I'm not preaching on this tonight, but it may not hurt to hear what he said, and then I'll get going on this. He looked at me, and he just kind of cleared his throat a little bit, and he said, Well, young man, um, we holiness people, we holiness people have had a little bit of a problem back across the years. Our problem is we either tend to go into the ditch of liberalism or the ditch of legalism. You even know what those words mean? <laughs> and he said, neither ditch is good. And he talked about the ditch of liberalism and the ditch of legalism. And then he looked at me square in the face and said, why don't you develop a ministry of balance and stay out of the ditches? Well, I don't even know what else he said, but I've never forgotten that. That's pretty good counsel, isn't it? To try to lead a church not into the ditch of liberalism or legalism, but why don't we find the middle of the road and go right down the middle of the road, the Bible, uh, the highway of holiness, and uh, lead people and lead churches to be balanced Christians and, and make it, may, may it be so. Well, that was a long time ago. I'm not sure why that flashed into my mind tonight. But if we had coffee, I'd tell you something like that. And then I would say, hey, let me tell you what is over in 2 Timothy, okay? That's where I'm supposed to be going now tonight. So here we go now. Uh, 2 Timothy, and I will be in chapter 1, and just two verses for tonight. But I'll get there in a moment. But 2 Timothy. Now, uh, I think I missed the course in, uh, in college or school or wherever. I think I missed the course where the prof who was teaching all of this explained that 2 Timothy was not only a letter from Paul to his son in the faith, who was Timothy, but that he wrote it from a jail. Now, I think I did get that, but he wrote it from a prison because much of his writings were from prisons. But here's what I didn't get. I Somewhere I missed it. This was his last prison. This was Paul's last one. The, evidently, the Roman powers-to-be must have said through a Roman soldier or a Roman guard, uh, Mr. Paul, whatever you're writing there to whomever you're writing, hurry up and get the thing done because the order has come. We are going to take you out of this prison and we're going to take you down the road, and that's where you're going to die. And the, uh, the, the, the order has come, so hurry up, get the letter written, 
we're, um, we're going to take you away. And so in chapter 4, I'm not preaching from there, but I want you to hear this. In chapter 4 and in verse 6, Paul said to his son in the faith, Timothy, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Not to go to another country. Not to go on another missionary journey. Not to go and help somebody like he did in Macedonia and a hundred other places. The, uh, the end of his days had come, and not because he was sick, but because he was about to be a martyr. Listen to what he said. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, but not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And that verse, I have no way to prove this. There are no, um, uh, uh, as far as I know, no surveys have been made about what uh, verses or parts of the scripture that pastors use in funerals more than any other. It just is a, sen a sense of mine. This verse has been used in more funeral services of believers than any other in the Bible. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> I'll see you later. You know, I added those last words. But that's just basically what he said. And he did then say goodbye through all of this. And come, Timothy, I really want to see you. Hurry, hurry, try to get here. And if you do, uh, if you can come, bring this, bring that. But if you're going to see me, you've got to get here before winter. I know I won't be here. Uh, that'll, that'll be too late. And so come soon, my, my son. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. Well, they tell us that Timothy didn't get there in time. Paul was taken out down a road, and they're martyred for the faith. And you do know, I'm sure all of you know, every disciple of Christ, all 12, we're not going to count uh, now Judas into this, but all 12 followers, disciples of Christ, died a martyr's death except one. And that was John. And they sent John to the Isle of Patmos to die, but he just didn't die there. But they sealed their testimony with their blood in that day. Now, Paul was not one of the 12, but Paul was, was the leader of the church after Peter had somewhat uh, given that leadership and the Lord had given that over to Paul. And so when I finally learned that's the last letter Paul ever wrote then it all took on a different look to me, and I wrote in the top of my Bible, and I don't know, this is probably 10 Bibles since then, but I write it at the top of every one, last words from death row. That's what 2 Timothy is. Last words from death row. He knew he was going to die. That's, that's explained in chapter 4. So therefore, this is the way it reads to me, Therefore, Timothy, my son, I won't be able to tell you this again, so now don't, don't forget this. Now, now, Timothy, I love you, my beloved son, as it says in verse 2. Whatever you do, do this. Whatever you do, watch out for that. And uh, if you uh, want to, write that somewhere near the top of the page of 2 Timothy. It doesn't read like a book. It isn't a book. It reads like a letter from a veteran of the faith to his beloved son in the faith, and I just love this letter. I, um, I read it a lot. So now back to chapter 1, and just two verses for tonight, and really one verse, but verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Or as another translation says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is within you. And brothers and sisters, we really need to hear that tonight. 
especially all of you who are going into pastoral ministry or, or evangelism or teaching or counseling or whatever, which, whichever track you may take, the nature of fire is that unless you put more fuel on it and stir it up once in a while, uh, the fire burns down. Isn't that the truth? Just think of a fire in a fireplace. Think of a fire on the campfire. Think of a fire anywhere. If you don't put more fuel on and stir the thing up and give it some air, it flickers down and will finally flicker out. Well, it is characterized in the scripture, in the New Testament especially, well, Isaiah too and other places, that when the Lord comes in his saving power and in his sanctifying power and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's referred to uh, as the Holy Ghost and fire. How many times we hear the, the term, the analogy, fire, and we use it ourselves. That church is on fire. That guy's on fire. That, that gal, man, she sings with a fire in her soul. Why, even some will even say, he's got fire in his belly. Well, amen. That's what we want. But I'm just giving you a warning tonight. If we don't stir up the fire from time to time, uh, the flame gets low. Amen? And I don't have time to preach all about the churches because I'm really focused on you, these services. But I know of churches, and so do you, that were ablaze for God 25 years ago, and they're dead as a dog today. I don't even know if a dog's dead, but anyway, they're just dead. Somebody forgot to fan the flame. That's why I think, Dr. Graves, I think that's one reason why you have opening convention. I think that's why you have, have chapel services, revival services here. Because we don't want the fire to go out at NBC, and we don't want the fire to go out in your hearts. Amen. And I, I am kind of speaking to you as a granddad, to some of you that are younger in the faith. But people that listen to you preach... They honestly aren't that enamored by all of your points, especially if they all rhyme. You want to know something? They want to know, does the man preach with passion? Does the lady preach with fire in her soul? And you know what? You can tell if there's any fire in the heart or if there isn't. Amen? So I wanted you to see what Paul said, the scripture now, now, I, I remind you, he said, don't have, I, I won't be able to say this again, but fan it into flame. Okay, next verse, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And since I was invited to uh, get in here early this semester, I got my pick on <laughs> what I was going to preach. <laughs> And I just decided I was going to, this kind of breaks into three messages, it seems to me. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Then I'm going to be talking a little more tomorrow morning about the love side of it. And then tomorrow night, the whole thing of, uh, <laughs> is Jesus Christ really Lord of all, everything, including our self-discipline and our obedience, or are we still in charge? And we all need to consider that. But anyway, that's a little later. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. <sighs> the Bible refers to a devil. There, there is a devil. <laughs> The Bible calls him Satan. Scripture refers to the devil as a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. Brother, I think I've seen that aspect of the devil from time to time. The Bible refers to the devil as a serpent, and you all know that. The Bible refers to the devil as a thief, Jesus did, as a thief that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Now, this is not Bible. This is Jim Deal talking to you. I see the devil also as a spider. As a spider. 
that wraps one strand of fear about us and another strand of fear about us and another strand of fear about us and another strand of fear about us until we might be the pastor, we might be the... Um, Mm, no, we might be a board member. We might be uh, leading worship. We might be uh, whoever you are. You might be the, the head of whatever place, wherever you work, uh, the office, the factory, the, the whatever. And we get so bound by fear, we're almost afraid to tell anybody about Jesus. Oh, oh what will they do? Oh, it's not too... Our culture is not very open to that right now. Might get fired. Ooh, oh, man, we can hardly even tell anybody anything. And uh, I've been around a little while. I, I've had, I'm going to just make up a figure. I've had 4,332 lunches with people. I just made that up. But you know when you have lunch, when you, when you have any meal, and I'm out at a restaurant now in my mind, and the food comes. It has been traditional all the way back to Bible days, especially Jesus' time, well, and before as well. But you, we bow our heads, have a little prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the food. Amen. You know, that's kind of the Christian thing to do. That's what the disciples did when Christ was there. <laughs> Some people are so nervous. Preacher, do you have a short prayer? You got a short one now? It's almost like, man, if we bow our heads and pray more than a couple of seconds, somebody around here might see us and they might think we're Christians. <laughs> I hope somebody finds out that we're Christians. Amen. Now, I'm not preaching for you to do something stupid. Stand up in front of the whole restaurant and say, everybody listen. Here, we're going to have prayer over here. Quiet down. We're going to pray. If you do, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to do something squirrely like that. I'm just talking about having a little prayer, maybe even if you're by yourself at a wherever. <laughs> I had one uh, fellow, one of my churches, he was all charged up. He was, I think he was joking. He was just, he had something new every week to tell me. He said one time, you know, preacher, you know how we do this thing of praying over the food at our family? We buy the groceries once a week, we pray over them, and thank God it's done for the week. I hope the boy was joking. I hope he was joking. <laughs> it's okay to laugh, you know, it's okay. But fear, fear. And oh, 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 oh if we're talking to neighbors and, and uh, well, somebody comes up and, and they say something, you know, that's pretty uh, anti-church and anti-Christian. Oh, don't say anything, you know. I, I just want to tell you tonight, I have prayed as much, I think, as anything across my adult life. Lord God, set me free from fear and fill me with power. Not to do stupid things and not to show off on somebody's platform about how powerful a person, that is not it. Power to live Christian in an ungodly world. Hmm. Well, let me just tell you a few other things I wrote down this afternoon. Power, if you're going to be a preacher or a teacher or whatever, power to call sin, sin. You know, we're getting so nice these days that we're almost afraid to name anything sin, even when the Bible does, until it's almost like somebody said, everything's good, God's good, people are good, the devil is good. Everybody's good. That's not, that's not right, folks. Sin is wrong. Sin's evil. I don't want you to get up and just beat your people up, but I want to have enough power to say if we're going to be Christians, uh, our lifestyle is going to be Christ-like. Amen. May it be so. Uh, power. Now, we all, we all think about this once or so in our life. Lord, give us enough power if it would come to that where we would be willing to die for Jesus the Lord. And that doesn't happen to very many American Christians. Are you willing to die for your faith? Well, I think we'd all say, sure, but we know it's not much going to happen in America. But what would you do 
if you were with me over in the Arissa state of India having a district assembly, which is the annual meeting of, of all the churches of that area, and that's where we preach and ordain the new ministers and, and have reports and elections and the, the whole thing. And the district superintendent said to me, when we get all the pastors lined up, because they do it that way there, then they just kind of come by and, and make a very quick uh, a word with the people because uh, we have to get done by 3 or 3.30 because they all have to get on public transportation and get home before the sun goes down. It's way too dangerous to be out after dark over there. And he said, uh, when we get all the pastors lined up, you won't know it because you don't know them. But we've got three holes in the line. Holes. We have three pastors who aren't going to be here. I said, oh, uh, they have to work? Are they sick? Now, now listen. They've been beheaded this year. I said, what? He said, we've had three pastors beheaded this year because they're Christians and they aren't here. Those are Nazarene pastors from the Arissa state of India. I couldn't get over that. That's, that's not just somewhere else. That was with those people right there. It got on me so much. I want to know about their widows and who's going to take care of them and who's going to take care of their children. And I find out they don't have much of a system like we have of Social Security. And you might not be surprised that I left about all the money I had left to uh, go help those three widows. And, and I don't want to get into all the rest of that. But folks, there are Christians today in this world who are sealing their testimony with their blood. That has to take courage, power. Amen? I don't, know, I don't want you to have to go through that, but I want you to have that kind of power and not to be bound by fear. Well, I wonder if there's anything else. I've even written down, Lord, give us power in praying. Give us power in preaching. Give us power to say no when the world says yes. Give us power to say yes when the world says no. Power to live a spirit-filled life in the office, in the factory, in the shop, at the college, in the school, on the ball field, anywhere. Power to be Christ-like in an ungodly world. Amen. That's all of us, all the time, or future days. That takes power. Well, power, I, was, I must have been thinking of the three Hebrew children, we call them, when I wrote this down this afternoon. Power to stand up when the world bows down. And we'll have to apply that to all the things that the world bows down to. But I just want you to know, if we're going to be Bible Christians, if we're going to be Spirit-filled Christians, we're going to have to be filled with, we'll use the old term, the Holy Ghost and power, or we won't make it through to the end of the race. Amen. We'll get rubbed out somewhere along the line. And maybe I should toss this in. Uh, young men and young women, never get to the place where you think you are so powerful that you can handle the devil yourself. No, 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 no. I was in a prayer meeting where somebody prayed that great statement, Lord, just let me have at the devil. I believe I can handle him myself. He actually said that out loud in a prayer meeting where I was. And the man was walking as he was praying, and he fell over backwards like a log, and I thought the man was dying. And he didn't uh, come through for about 30 minutes. And when he came through, he was weak as whatever. And he said, he said, he said, don't you ever pray what I pray. <laughs> he said, the devil's been about to kill me. And I said, we've all been praying for you, man. We're scared to death. Man, that scared me till this day today. I'm not, I don't want a thing to do. All I do is plead the blood of Jesus. 
plead the blood of Jesus. Plead the blood of Jesus. I want the power of God, but we don't have enough power to confront the devil ourselves. We confront the devil through the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And uh, may we never forget it. So, Lord, set us free from fear. Are you with me? Set us free from fear. And I haven't mentioned all of them. I can't, but free from fear and filled with power. Oh, that's what I want. That's what I want for all of us. But I need to put a parenthesis here and let you know that some fears are proper. It's not uh, set us free from all fears. The fear of uh, heights is a good fear. <laughs> or you're going to walk right off the edge of the roof and you'll kill yourself. When I get way up high, like at the Royal Gorge, which is right up the way here, and you get on that bridge and you lean over, I, can't, I can hardly do that. I feel like I'm going over. So I look over from back here. Well, I'm not going to pray. Lord, take that fear away from me. That's a proper fear. Uh, I have the fear, and you do too, of taking a walk right down the middle of I-25. That would not be smart. You'd get wiped out in a few minutes. If you're going to walk, don't get on an interstate. And by the way, don't ride your bicycle there either. There ought to be a proper fear. Amen? That's a proper fear. <laughs> there are proper fears of, um, oh, okay. <laughs> you ought to have a proper fear of drinking the tap water in Peru. <laughs> You say, what did you put that on the list for? Because I did. <laughs> and I paid the price. And you might as well put another country in there. If not Peru, well then uh, Haiti. If not Haiti, then Guatemala. But we Americans, are, we do not have the immunities built up that others have built up for the water in their part of the world. <laughs> if I've learned anything from running around the world for 16 years, I've learned if you're going to drink water, drink it out of that bottle. And don't eat the lettuce. <laughs> You'll pay the price. And if you want to know what I mean, we'll talk to you later out yonder there. That's a proper fear, wouldn't you say? I mean, that's just a, you're using your head on a deal like that. <laughs> And some of you know what this means, and the rest I won't go through the whole story, but you ought to have a proper fear of going whitewater rafting with some preachers that have never been before. <laughs> and that was me, and I should have died right on the Arkansas River, but that's way too big of a story to tell. I'm, I wouldn't tell you not to go whitewater rafting if you go with a professional. But don't do what we did and buy a raft the week before and go try it out with me in the thing. And all six of us, the thing capsized, and all six of us were thrown in the river. I have gotten smarter as life has gone on. And I, I have been back to watch people white water raft, but I just haven't gotten in one because I don't believe God has any more angels to spare on pulling me out of the river. So I, have, I want you to know there are proper fears. Amen? Proper fears. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about these things that, that bind us up like a spider web, bind us up about really being open and free to tell somebody about Jesus, that, to set us free so that um, we can have a short prayer in a restaurant and might even be 30 or 40 seconds and somebody looks over and they kind of look at you like, yeah, you're a bunch of church guys. Yeah, amen. Not ashamed of it either. <laughs> amen. And, uh, well, I guess it's all right to say this one. Uh, 
We're set free from fear that if we would give God 10% of our income, called a tithe, that we'll go broke. Lord set us free from that fear because the devil wants to put that fear on us. If you really tithe and give 10% of your income, you're going to go broke. No, you won't. God is bigger than 10%. And God can make the 90% go farther than you can make the 100% go. Amen? Don't know why I tossed it in, but I just felt like I should. And here's one man. This, would, this, this, ought, to be, uh, this ought to be for a series. Lord, set us free from the fear of failure. Too many ministers or minister's spouse or board members or church leaders are so afraid of failure that they never take a step of faith because what happens if it fails? <laughs> what if we try this new ministry in the church and nobody comes? I don't know. Think up something. Well, I'll just think of what, what if we start a ministry in our church of divorce recovery and try to help people that have been wounded with divorce and the, and the anger that comes and the bitterness that comes and we're going to try to help those people and we get it all set and announce it for uh, five, six Wednesday nights in a row <laughs> and nobody shows up. What do we do? Well, if you're the leader, we take you out behind the church next Sunday and shoot you. And bury you. Put a stone there. The old boy tried something that didn't work. <laughs> That's the way we act. If we try something that doesn't work, I'll just die. No, you've learned one more thing that didn't work. Get up and get going. Amen. I really got help along this line. It's fear of failure, fear of failure. I got help reading a sports magazine one day, <laughs> talking about Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, I guess, was left-handed. And, and I knew that he hit over 700 home runs, but I was reading down there, and it said the great Babe would hit that ball. And he, I thought he even pointed to the place where it was going to go out. I think he did once, but anyway, I was reading down, and it said he hit over 700 home runs, and then in the very next sentence, it said, and he struck out more than a thousand times, and I said out loud, praise God. I thought he always got a home run. Babe Ruth struck out over a thousand times. That's failure. What did he do? Walk back to the dugout. Say, hurry up, get the game over, I'm, a, I'm embarrassed, I'm going home, and I'm never coming back. Are you kidding? He said, hurry up, guys, I want to get back up there, I'm going to clear the fence with the next one. Lord, give us that kind of a spirit. Are you with me? Set us free from the fear of failure. And I know that that's hardly right to throw it in, and that's all, because, man, there's a whole bunch of stuff we ought to say, but I'm just trying to get you to think with me how the spider, how the spider, the evil one, the devil, wants to bind us all up. And I'm just crying out to you tonight, with the help of God, Lord, set us free. And I'm not talking about later on someday when you're a pastor somewhere. Uh, right now, right now, right now, Lord, set us all free. Not to do anything that's crazy and would bring reproach on the kingdom, but set us free uh, to be a blaze for Jesus. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Amen. <clears throat> and I think it's about time for me to come in for a landing. I'm not quite there yet, but I can see the airport from here. So <laughs> I'm, I'm circling the field now. <laughs> By the way, yesterday when we flew in, it was really windy in Denver. And, oh, I, this doesn't happen too often. And that plane was coming down. And we were just about there. And it, there must have been a real strong crosswind and I mean that pilot pulled that thing back and poured on the coals and pushed that old airplane back up in the sky and and the gal sitting next to me had not said a word the whole trip and boy she said what does this mean <laughs> I said, it means that we're going around we were about to get blown off of the runway and such as it is
If we're going to have power, could I just summarize by saying, you've got to be born again. You must know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. We can't be powerful Christians with a pep talk from me. <laughs> Amen. Or read a real good book on motivation. No, no, no. We've got to have Jesus in our hearts. And you say, well, that's kind of basic, isn't it? It sure is. But in this day and age, you begin to wonder if some people even believe in being born again. You act like if you come and hang around our church long enough, you're going to be a Christian. Just hang around. You'll be a Christian. Yeah, it's like coming living in my garage. After three months living in my garage, you become a car. <laughs> that doesn't work. We have to repent and ask the Lord to forgive us and have a new birth. Amen? Amen. If we're going to live free from fear and filled with power, we've got to die, die to our selfish self and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, your fears are going to be accentuated because we're, we're always trying to protect ourselves. If we're really going to live in power, you know, I really believe not only do we need to be saved and sanctified, we need to specifically pray, Lord, I'm dealing with some fears. I specifically ask you to set me free from my fear of telling people about Jesus. Amen. Or I, I, I really have a battle with fear of, I don't know, maybe somebody, fear of dying. Well, God doesn't want you bound up by the, that fear. Um, it wouldn't be wrong if, if that would be the case to pray specifically, Lord, take that fear away. Some people are almost morally afraid that somebody's going to break in some night soon and they nearly barricade their house or their apartment or their condo. I just don't believe God wants us to live all bound up with that kind of fear. I, re, I again, you know, we lock our doors. I'm trying to say we're, we try to be sensible at our house. But on the other hand, <laughs> my faith is in Jesus. And I don't want to live in fear. I want to live in faith. Amen? Don't you? And on and on it goes. Well, a few of you I know heard this illustration, and I like to tell ones that you haven't heard, but the majority of you haven't. So I'm going to give this as we wind up. I thought about, okay, how do I finish? Man, fear, fear, power. You know, we ought to talk about Billy Graham. We ought to talk about Mother Teresa. We ought to, well, I was actually going to talk about the owner of Chick-fil-A. It's actually in the notes, but, um, brother, he's been set free from fear. And Don Cathy is his name, and I have great admiration for him. Or the owner of uh, Hobby Lobby. Uh, God bless the Green family that... Uh, they have so much courage, they won't even open their stores on Sunday. Isn't that unbelievable? And Chick-fil-A <laughs> won't even open their stores on Sunday because they happen to have, be Christians and have a conviction along that line. I say, God bless them. That, that's courage. That's power. That, that's the real deal. But I want to tell you about a high school girl that um, she would have no idea that I'd be telling this story. Happened when I was pastor in Denver. One of the high school kids there, big bunch of youth up there, and uh, this happened on a given Wednesday, I guess, because it was Wednesday night at the midweek services when I heard about it. Her name is Chandra, and she was in class at some high school in Denver, secular high school, <laughs> that's for sure. And this teacher, I don't think you call them professors at that level, the teacher was saying stuff that I can't believe, but I guess it was said. Kids, if you girls or any lady gets pregnant, it's like getting a virus. And when you get a virus, you get sick. So when you get sick, you take whatever you need to take to get rid of the virus. So when you get pregnant, it's like getting a virus. And you probably will be sick, 
So whatever you need to take to get rid of the virus, you take it. You don't want the fetus, you get rid of the thing. And she kept going on like that. This little high school girl that wasn't given to making big speeches had about all she could take. And she finally put her hand up and said in that class, what would you do with a lady who was six months along? Uh, what would you say about her baby? And she just answered back in kind of a smart way, if she wants to get rid of the virus, you can get rid of them then or right on till the end. And that girl said, I want you to know my mom had me at six months and I am no virus. Amen. <laughs> she said that out loud in a class in Denver. I guess the teacher changed the subject and hurried, hurriedly uh, let him go. Well, she came that night in the big youth group, told her youth pastor, she said, I'm dead meat in one class. Well, what'd you do? Well, I spoke up today. What'd you say? And she said what I just said. That youth pastor said, did you say that out loud? She said, I did. And I know I'm a dead dog in that class, but I said it anyway. He said, oh, man, Chandra, Chandra, that's, that's the greatest stand you've ever taken. You stood for what was right. Did anybody clap? She looked at him and said, what kind of a school do you think I go to? <laughs> no, nobody clapped. She said, I was, I was terribly quiet. He said, because he told me later, somebody clapped. He, he, she said, nobody clapped. He said, yes, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, Chandra. Jesus stood up and clapped and said, good job, Chandra. And she said, well, don't know pastor, youth pastor came to me and he said, man, you got to hear this one. He told me what I just told you. I hadn't even gotten out of the church yet. I said, oh man, I need that one Sunday morning. Uh, when I come to the end of the message, whatever I tell, illustration, story, whatever, man, if it's live and it's from that congregation and it's from recent days, those are always the best. And I said, man, this is from a teenager in this very church. And I said, what's her phone number? Well, he found it, gave it to me. Thursday night when she got home from school, I called her. I said, hey, Chandra, this is Pastor Jim Deal. Oh, yeah, yeah, hey, Pastor, what are you calling me for? I want to find out about yesterday. Is this what the teacher said? Yes. Is this what you said? Yes. I said, Chandra, I've got to have that Sunday morning. I'll be preaching, and I'll come right to where we're ready to wrap it up, and I'll call you up. And I'll say, now, folks, this happened this week in this town to this girl right here in this church. And I'll, I want you to tell me what the teacher said about just a virus, just get rid of the thing. And then I want you to tell what you said. And she said on the phone, not on your life. She said, I'm not standing in front of that crowd. I said, Chandra, you, you've got to. I mean, I, I need this. This is real. This is life. You're a Christian. You took your stand. And, and I had to plead with her for a few minutes. And here's what she finally said. Pastor, you know where the teens sit. When you get toward the end of the message, you look. If you see me, you can call me up. <laughs> if I'm under the pew, don't you call my name. I said, it's a deal. Sunday morning, preaching, and I looked over there, she was there, well, I was coming right at the end of it, I looked over, got her eye, and I said, now this happened this week, I brought her up, and she was just trembling, well, I would too, in a crowd that size, and if you're not used to that, and I was holding on to her here, had the microphone here, what'd that teacher say? Oh, getting pregnant is just like a virus, get rid of the thing. I said, what did you say? She you know, she said, I, my mom had me at six months, I just want you to know I am no virus. Well, you folks clapped, and you don't even know the gal. That crowd knew her. Her mom and dad were sitting over here. Her grandma and grandpa were over here. That crowd clapped and jumped on their feet. 
And some of them were crying. Some, a teenager took a stand for Christ and right. And, and, and I was blessed, and Chandra ran off the platform <laughs> and disappeared among, amongst a bunch of teens. Why would I tell you that? That took power. That took courage. That's what I'm talking about. Amen? That's the real thing. That's, that's the real thing. Well, it's, it's time to close. Man, it's fun to preach to you. You're a live bunch. I, I commend you. But um, let's, let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, help us here. We only get to, we don't get together just a few times. And I have really enjoyed these moments tonight. And Lord, you're here. The Spirit of God is here. So guide us in the last few moments of this service. And Jonathan, I think if you'll come and just um, maybe a little music on your uh, guitar there. Let's just all stand, would you, everybody? Before, before we close and before I get in the car and head back to Denver for tonight, would there be some men or women or young men or young women or anybody of any age that would say, I need to pray for God to set me free from fear and to fill me with a fresh anointing of power. I, it would almost be wrong to preach this and then say, I'll see you later. The Lord is here. And I, I haven't preached to backsliders. <laughs> I believe you all know the Lord, but some of us need to pray for God to give us a fresh anointing of his holy power. Would you want to come and just kneel? And if you will, I just have a feeling that somebody else will. and Probably somebody else would. Why don't we just obey the Lord here tonight on this Tuesday night? God bless you guys. God bless you ladies. <laughs> oh, Oh, the Lord is here. The Lord is here. And I don't want to just run away when the Lord is at work. <laughs> God bless you, men, and God bless you, ladies. Oh, oh, do it, Jesus. Do it, Jesus. Anyone else? Anyone else want to come? Oh, if you'll pray specific prayers. God will give you specific answers. Praise God. Praise God. He will. God bless your hearts. Fall fresh. We're going to pray just after this song, but if anyone else wants to come, melt me more. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Praise God. Lord, use, use me. me. Amen, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Praise the Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Fresh on me. Uh, many of you know these are your friends. Would you want to come and help us and, and pray with them or just kneel behind them or whatever the case. And, and uh, doctor, do we, do, is there a class that, that meets after this? So we won't, we won't keep you forever, but um, we've got time to pray. <laughs> and uh, that's right, gather on in, that's right. I just, and you, you pray for them and I'll, we'll pray for them and thank you for, for coming and let's just, let's just take it to God, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, you've been speaking to us out of the word of God. Fan the gift of God into a flame. Lord, don't, don't be filled with fear, but don't be bound by fear, but filled with power. Lord, we pray for these men. We pray for these women tonight. We pray, Lord, that you will set them free from the strands of fear that Satan himself would wrap around every one of us, including me. Lord, Lord, set us free from fear and fill us fresh, anew, 
with the power, the power of God's Holy Spirit. Lord, that young teenage girl, that high school girl that just took her stand for what was right and all, she had the power of Jesus in her, even though she hardly knew it. Lord God, there is power available if we'll just say, Lord, uh, I don't want to be filled with myself. I don't want to be filled uh, with my selfish will. I want to be filled uh, with God's Holy Spirit and power. Oh, answer prayer tonight, Lord, as we humble ourselves, as we bow and humble ourselves before God. Lord, Lord, set me free from fear and fill me with your holy power. I believe God's answering prayer, brothers and sisters. I believe God's answering prayer. Oh, let's just sing one more time. Jonathan, will you, before we go, whatever you want us to sing there. Oh, Amen, Lord. peace.